0: Hi, everyone. This is the International Society of Hypertension podcast. I'm Associate Professor Francine Marques from Monash University, Australia, and my co-host is Dr. Augusto Montesano from the University of Glasgow, Scotland.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to our International Society of Hypertension Mentoring and Training Committee podcast, which is a special edition today because we're collaborating with the Women in Hypertension Research Committee and interviewing inspire female researchers. Today I have with me my special co-host Carla Navis from the University of Glasgow and representing the Women in Hypertension Research Committee. And we will interview an amazing professor who is Professor Catherine Lawrence uh, Cortes, who is the recipient of the Women in Hypertension Research Committee and International Society of Hypertension Honor for Senior Women Researchers Award. Professor Lawrence Cortez is the Emeritus Director of Research at the College of France, where she works in cardiovascular research and the renin angiotensin-aldosterone system. And she focuses, focuses on the translating discovery science into the clinics. Catherine is a member of the European Ac- Academy of Sciences between many other national and international societies. She's also the current recipient of the 2021 Emilia Valori Prize from the French Academy of Sciences for her outstanding work. In addition to all of that, Catherine has trained many trainees and inspired many early career researchers. And with that, I welcome you to our chat, Catherine, and thank you so much for being here with us today.
2: So thank you so much for inviting me for this podcast and the nice introduction. (laughs) Thank you. you. So,
1: Catherine, to uh, to start our interview, can you tell us a little bit about your story and how did you get involved with hypertension cardiovascular research?
2: So, at the beginning, I was working in neuroscience during 17 uh, years, and uh, I was working on opioid peptides, especially on encephaline and the enzyme involved in the metabolism of encephaline. Uh, This allowed uh, me to identify one enzyme, neutral endopeptides 2411, which was uh, involved in the brain, in the degradation of orkephalene. And then, after with a professor Bernard Rock, an organic chemist, we developed Tyophon, which was the first neutral endopeptidas 2411 inhibitor produced, and which is now prescribed as an antidiarrheal drug, particularly indicated in children and infants in whom imodium is contraindicated. So, during the second part of my research work, 30 years, I decided to explore another scientific domain, the cardiovascular field. And since I come from neuroscience, the INSERM Institute requests that I develop a research program at the interface between neuroscience and the cardiovascular field. And for this purpose, I decided to join the chair of experimental medicine of Professor Pierre Corvol at the Collège de France, which was a laboratory expert in the systemic renin-angiotensin system. And I developed in this structure, my team. And after I create my own research laboratory entitled Central Neuropeptide and Regulation of body Fluid Homeostasis and Cardiovascular Function. The aim of my laboratory was to conduct fundamental research into the organization and functional role of peptidergic system, especially the brain-renine-anjustansin system, and the apelinergic system, involved in the control of body fluid homostasis and cardiovascular function in order to identify new potential therapeutic targets for the treatment of hypertension and heart failure. So we have first identified a new therapeutic target, which was aminopeptidase A, brain aminopeptidase, which is an enzyme which allows the formation of angiotensin III in the brain, and we show that is angiotensin III is one of the effector peptides of the brain angiotensin system, which exerts a tonic stimulatory effect on the control of blood pressure in hypertensive animals, and which participates to the development of heart failure after myocardial infarction. So this led to the idea that aminopeptidase A in the brain could be a potential therapeutic target for the treatment of hypertension and uh, heart failure. So we then collaborate with uh, the laboratory of Professor Bernard Rock, and to develop uh, the first APA inhibitor able to enter the brain after oral administration. It was Firibasta. And uh, we have shown its effectiveness uh, in different models of uh, hypertension and heart failure. And recently, this compound was evaluated in two fast, two clinical trials. Uh, And uh, treatment with Firibasta was shown to significantly decrease systolic blood pressure in hypertensive patients, including African-American patients with often resistant hypertension. Following to start a FAST-3 clinical trial in the treatment of resistant or difficult to treat hypertension. Another uh, clinical trial FAST-2B uh, on uh, Firibaster have shown that Firibaster treatment prevents left ventricular dysfunction uh, with a good tolerance for, uh, on blood pressure in patient after myocardial infarction. So we, we are looking f- to find another uh, receptor for angiotensin tree. and uh, we isolated uh, a marine receptor for apelin, which is a new vasoactive neuropeptide, and we have developed metabolically stable apelin analogues in collaboration with another group of chemists uh, directed by Dominic, uh, Dr. Dominique Bonnet in Strasbourg. And we have shown that the activation of the apelin receptor by this compound could constitute a new approach for the treatment of hyponatremia. And such a compound could also be useful for the treatment of heart failure patient by increasing cardiac contractility while decreasing fluid retention and vascular resistance. So that is all what I have performed during 47 years <laughs> of research. <laughs> not, not only me. Also, with uh, my team and uh, uh, people now have uh, become uh, also senior and have uh, developed their own uh, team and uh, laboratories.
0: Thank you, Catherine, for sharing uh, this amazing experience with hypertension with us. So um, we want want to ask you um, as well. So you are a member of the ISH. And, uh, you know, and we also know that sitting committees is very important to us uh, to advance in our career as researchers, but it can also be very time consuming. So how has your participation in professional societies committees helped you to advance in your career?
2: So sitting in committees is uh, important to advance career progression. Uh, But it's important to choose the committee to join in adequation with uh, the scientific objective. Uh, Sitting in committees is important because you learn so much, uh, both from a scientific point of view and also from an administrative point of view. It's useful for a scientific career since you meet other scientists and you establish with them uh, trust uh, relationships and later they may remember you to propose your name for an oral presentation or to support your uh, application if they are in the evaluation board or simply to advise you. Uh, However, sitting in committees is uh, time consuming and uh, I will advise uh, you researcher not to multiply the participation in different committees. Uh, The difficulties is to find the balance between the time you spend in the committees, the time you need for uh, the laboratory work, which include not only uh, the experiment, but also the research of financial support, the presentation of the work in the meeting, and uh, find collaboration, and also take care of the people we work with you. So without <laughs> it's important forgetting the time for the family life.
1: <laughs> it, it, is, it is true. Family is extremely important and don't forget
2: <laughs> <to have> people. <laughs> yes, sometimes we have a, a tendency to forget, but uh, that is after a lot of problems. so <laughs> <the> balance <laughs> it's, uh, it's important, even is for true. you, even for you because uh, you cannot not only uh, always work. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so Catherine, now like talking about mentorship, uh, if you need to define your uh, mentorship experience in one word, uh, what would be that word?
2: No, uh, I think trust or generosity mm. or listening <laughs> or kindness. <laughs> so I think it's a privilege to be in position to help someone. And uh, this gives the opportunity to help young uh, scientists uh, to develop uh, their career. And uh, it's important to take care of people in a friendly way.
0: Yeah, definitely. All these words are essential in the mentoring process, Uh, of course. Yeah. So um, what do you think? uh, So uh, do you think mentoring is important and why? Uh, you think uh, 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 you think
2: that? Uh, I think uh, mentoring is essential for the career. It's because you learn from others. When I began research, uh, it was in 1975. So <laughs> it's a long time. Mentoring did not exist. And I never listened for this word. And uh, to know how to progress in the research field, uh, I act by mimicking the senior researcher. At the beginning, it was not a success, but later it starts to begin uh, to get better and better as I learn from my mistakes. However, it was very stressful, and I had a lot of doubt about the decision I had to take. And uh, I would have liked to, to uh, mentor. It was for me; it would be a very important and very, uh, uh, I think, uh, a chance to have one. Uh, But after 15 years of research, I met a a professor uh, full of good sense and humanity, and uh, I consider him uh, as a mentor since he helped me uh, gain self-confidence when I decided to develop my own team, and he gave me a lot of advice. For example, when my grant or article was rejected, it helped me to understand why it was rejected and to find by uh, exchanging with me during discussion a solution for the next submission. In addition, this uh, also helped me to present my work more clearly in order you can understand. And as uh, it's often said, what is clearly understood can be clearly expressed. It helped me a lot to do that.
1: <laughs> that that's amazing, Catherine. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving this interview. Like, your energy is amazing. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so, Catherine, you mentioned about your mentor. So, when in your career did you uh, realize that you needed a mentor?
2: I think when I, I want to uh, create my own uh, laboratory, first my, my team and after my laboratory, because uh, it was uh, really uh, difficult uh, at the beginning. Uh, even if you have a good scientific program with uh, all the steps well-defined, you need to find the financial support and to recruit students, postdoctoral fellow, technicians, And for this purpose, we need to obtain financial support, to establish collaboration, and to have a united team where all the members get along well. So find the financial support and perform the good recruitment is not easy. And the guidance of a mentor is very uh, valuable because he has the experience, he he knows how to do, and he can uh, give you the the appropriate uh, advice. So the mentor may also uh, promoting you to be a speaker, help to write paper, and in fine, to become a, a, a professional. So <laughs> now perhaps I am a professional <laughs> of research. <laughs> so um,
0: in terms of uh, your mentoring style, Catherine, uh, how would you describe your mentoring style? And also if you could uh, give us uh, some examples of ways you have helped your mentees, uh, we
2: would really appreciate it. So I am to establish a trust relationship, to be uh, generous, to always give advice in a positive way, it's because negative is not, uh, uh, does not help very much. And to spend time with a young researcher to speak about how they want to develop their career, the difficulties they meet, to recognize their work and their effort, and to help them at the maximum. I try to give clear explanation on how to write to grant, to answer to the reviewer, to defend their project, while uh, introducing some preliminary results, and not to be intimidated. <laughs> I am very supportive in order that they may participate to meeting, uh, present their work, and help to be uh, ready to do it well. For example, at the Gordon Conference on N'Angelo-Tancin, is just before the Gordon, uh, the Gordon Conference, the Gordon Seminar for PhD student and postdoctoral fellow. I encourage uh, the young scientists of my laboratory to present their work, and it's a very good exercise. It's not too stressful because there are uh, only uh, a PhD student and uh, postdoctoral fellow and uh, the best are selected to give a presentation at the Gordon conference And so two young women of my lab succeed and really enjoyed of the experience they learned very much and it was it's a nice highlight for her.
1: That is great yeah. and- and Catherine, when you think about the mentees, what uh, traits or characteristics do you think a good mentee needs to have?
2: Uh, so it's depends on each people, of <laughs> each person. It's difficult because uh, I think uh, one of the main uh, traits was to be open-minded. Uh, the mentee must be uh, listening. He has to be able to exchange a lot to establish a relationship with the mentor, based on trust. He must demonstrate perseverance and passion for his project. And he has to accept competition. True, yeah, that's true. So
0: um, many of us struggle sometimes to identify a good training environment. So we want to ask you uh, if you have any advice on how to identify a good training environment.
2: So first look at the scientific environment uh, of where uh, where the, the mentee is going to, to, to go for its postdoctoral position or to join a, a, a laboratory for establish a, a team or uh, anything. and. Uh, it, speak with the supervisor, uh, discuss with him, look at the publication of the laboratory to the grant obtained uh, by the supervisor, and try to find and to discuss with previous postdoctoral fellow or student or PhD student of the supervisor uh, who have worked in this laboratory. And uh, and now, uh, know uh, what publications they perform and what positions they now obtain. It's uh, also important that the project which was proposed uh, interests uh, interest the mentee and uh, the, the Scientific aspect is not the only point of view. It's also important to evaluate if the laboratory and uh, its supervisor uh, are uh, its a, a dynamic environment. And uh, if uh, uh, people in the laboratory are friendly. Yeah, so this is also very important to be in a good environment uh, from, a point, uh, uh, from a human point of view.
1: And Catherine, talking about friendly, you are a very friendly person and uh, I've been in conferences with you and you're very approachable. We can ask you questions and you're always happy to help and interact with people, but not everyone is uh, like you. And a lot of times uh, students or young researchers, they get intimidated to talk to other people in conferences. So how do you overcome talking uh, to someone that you find intimidating?
2: Yeah. I am, it's, now I am not intimidated. <laughs> but at, at the beginning, uh, I was stressed. Uh, and uh, I know it's not easy to do. It depends a lot of your uh, temperament. If you discuss, your work, you you know perfectly what you do, so you can imagine in your head that you are uh, you know better than everyone, and you are ready to answer a question, and your enthusiasm will do the rest. And if you cannot answer to a question, you you explain why, you remain positive and ask for an explanation. And uh, people are often, I hope, much open that you think. And uh, you have to demonstrate uh, your passion for your work, and they will be sensitive to your willingness to do well. So it's, I think it can help. <laughs>
0: Yeah, thank you for your uh, advice. It's very useful, I'm sure. Um, so let's change a little bit subjects. And um, we would like to talk to you about diversity and inclusion. So my question to you, to you is, uh, what do you think is the biggest barrier around diversity and inclusion? And how do you think we can change that in hypertension research? Uh,
2: at the beginning, I don't really understand this question. So... <laughs> i try to uh, to things to uh, the work we perform and uh, w- one things uh, sh- uh shocked me it was uh, in the clinical trial uh, at the beginning now it's not o- o- always the same but uh, the patient we who were chosen uh, selected for the clinical trial to try a new drugs uh, generally it's only men And now it's an obligation that there is also a woman. But uh, generally, uh, the woman are not very uh, young. It's after menopause. And you understand menopause, yeah? Okay. (laughs) And so uh, I think it's a problem because uh, after the drugs is given as well to them. To men and women, and they don't look at the effect of the hormonal status on uh, the effect of the drug, and also on uh, the dose to use, and so on. And uh, for me, it's it's really uh, I was was very shocked by that. And uh, now I I um, I work uh, in a foundation. Uh, uh it's a foundation for the earth of women and uh, we uh, try to find uh, to give financial support for uh, works uh, especially uh, for research work especially grants uh, which are indicated uh, for uh, uh, research works on uh, on women on gender uh, including the gender so um, this was a, a foundation which is at the Institute of France. And uh, we, we, we are sure that uh, by helping this type of research on the gender, it will help to uh, develop a, 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 a novel way of thinking, especially because cardiovascular disease are uh, uh, responsible. Uh, uh, uh are very, um, cardiovascular disease are um, the first uh, cause of uh, uh, death in a woman now after uh, 60 year so i think it's a very important point to uh, to for which it's uh, important to mobilize <laughs> and also um, in the clinical trial there is no uh, Uh, the inclusion of uh, minority ethnic uh, is not, uh, ethnic minorities is not uh, very important. And so that uh, we, uh, I I was uh, looking at that because the clinical trial in US uh, was performed um, in hypertensive patients and 30 Four patients are African American, and uh, it was very important because they are often resistant to treatment by a classical uh, antihypertensive treatment, like the uh, blockers of the system renin system. So, in um, in this patient, uh, the treatment by Vasta was very effective, and so. It's, uh, it was at the origin also of uh, the first three clinical trials in uh, resistant hypertension or uh, difficult to treat hypertension. So I think it's an uh, important uh, point to, uh, to to work.
1: <laughs> no, it is. And Catherine, in terms of like uh, women uh, as researchers. Do you yes. have any advice for women in hypertension research?
2: Uh, the problem for women, oh, I speak about uh, the problem for women uh, in France in research. Uh, it's really difficult because uh, in France it's uh, still difficult to share the text for family life with their husband. Hmm and uh, often the women have to take care alone of the children, the cooking, the shopping for families, the household, and uh, it's uh, still uh, considered that the career of the men are more important than those of the women. So the only advantage we have imposed is the existence of the nursery, which uh, are very helpful. And uh, but this means that the women have to make uh, more a uh, lot of work as compared to uh, to men. And uh, uh, what I say that uh, they have to be more ambitious. They are able to succeed since they are I am, as they are used to work more than the men. <laughs> so. They have to believe in themselves.
0: That is uh, important. Yeah, uh, th- this this is this is essential. I would say. Yeah, yeah. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So uh, we just have suffered uh, and faced many difficulties in the past two years with the pandemic. Yeah. So, and we, we are still suffering with the consequences of it. So we want to, to know from you if you have any ideas, any suggestions about uh, what and how our community can do better uh, to support our junior researchers during the COVID, uh, COVID-19 pandemic.
2: Um, it was really uh, difficult, effectively, yeah. for the young researcher and the PhD student, uh, we cannot, Perform their, their work because, for example, uh, uh, during uh, all the period when we have to stay at home, uh, at the institutes, they uh, sacrifice all the animals uh, with uh, all the surgery, all the treatment, and so on. So, for the PhD students, it was really a difficult time, and they have to stay. Uh, often uh, in a little room because they cannot come back to their uh, parents and uh, they have they cannot go uh, in place where we eat uh, for lunch together and so they have to buy uh, food, it's, it's, it was expensive, and they have not uh, enough uh, uh, money to do that. So th- they become depressed. And uh, and uh, also uh, the problem for me uh, was that the uh, financial support uh, I obtained from grant includes the financial support to buy material and product. So they, they decide uh, 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 to, to extend the duration of the grant, but only it's mean that, okay, for the financial support for material and product is okay, but they don't give more money to, uh, uh, to, uh, um, to, to pay the salary. And so, you, you know, you obtain a, a grant for three years, or you pay the student during three years, but since there is the COVID, uh, perhaps the thesis is during uh, four years. And how do you, how you do, you do now for the first, uh, first years to to give him a, a financial support? That is really a that's uh, really an enormous problem. And uh, I think. Uh, it's something that uh, the Foundation or uh, the Agency for uh, Research uh, have, have to, to think, and uh, uh, it's is not excluded that there is another pandemic, so it will be uh, something to prepare and uh, uh, to think to this uh, young researcher, which become depressed by uh, this type of situation.
1: Yeah, it, it was, like, it, it has been a hard time and and I think you're absolutely right. So they give you money for you to continue to buy the consumables, yes. but you don't have money to pay for the people that yes. are going to use so, them.
2: So what do you do by by this way? You, you cannot yeah, do
1: this so I think, like, added a lot of pressure in everybody's uh, career and Ooh. I think, like, some people are going to um, we start to realize that it's going to take a while for people to pick up on those damaging effects, I think. So Catherine, I just wanted to finish by uh, saying like a heartfelt uh, thank you for being here with us. Uh, it was amazing. Like I had to say that whoever didn't, like whoever's listening to this, you guys missed because uh you guys i hope you guys will be able to feel the energy that mm-hmm. catherine gives away but being here no carla like being here yeah. with you like we get this energy like firsthand and it's amazing so um thank you very much for being here with us
2: and thank you very much also. <laughs> and i hope to see you uh soon in person in okay. conference so, <laughs> yes it's better it's better by than uh, by <laughs> physical conference. <laughs>
1: And for all the listeners, if you guys ever cross paths with Catherine in a <laughs> conference or anywhere, stop and talk to her. She will make yes. your day much better. Yeah,
0: <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. go for it.
2: <laughs> so I cross, thank a, you. I cross a finger for you and uh, uh, for your uh, installation in Montreal. <laughs> I hope oh, thank you be, uh, the best.
1: <laughs> thank you, Catherine. And
2: thank you a lot.
1: Thank, thank you. 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 Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to our interview. If you'd like more tips on mentoring, subscribe to our podcast for more interviews with senior and emerging leaders. Stay safe, open-minded and kind.